What's up, guys, and welcome back to Sensibly Loud Radio. It's your main man, J-Mac, here live at Sensibly Loud Media HQ in Dallas, Texas. It's a gorgeous Wednesday evening. I'm joined by B-Easy and Mountain Carl. What's going on, boys? What's going on? Glad to be back for another fun week at SLM HQ. And what's going on there, Carl? Hello, gentlemen. Things are going great. It's good to be back, man. We are on a better recording cadence than we've ever been as far as just getting together. And it still feels like it's been forever since we got together. I guess it's just, uh, you know, dying for the next one these days. I yeah, that's the way that. it goes. For sure. But I'm excited to, to be back with you boys. we got tons to talk about. I love this group text that we have. It is balls to the wall bonkers all the time. Nonstopshitposting.com. <laughs> it's literally like having a live Reddit thread half the time where it just keeps on giving me things all day long. But it's nice. I, I like it. So I'm, I'm glad that we're, uh, you know, coming up with stuff quickly. There's just there's been a, a ton to talk about just in general. We've had we're kind of trying to get ready for this like big trip that we're doing for SLM. And we're looking at all kinds of different things. And we were just spitting ball and ideas the other day. And we started talking about SLM bar game competition. Oh, good Lord. I feel, I'm ready for this. I feel like this is something we have to do. I'm uh my my dearth of talent is as telling as you need. I'm uh I'm ready to uh to fully involve myself in some darts and uh we don't we don't have the ability to do ski ball, do we? Like the or the or even like the um oh lord, what am I thinking of? We could do ring hook. We could find a way to do incorporate ring hook. We could definitely do that. We could also play bocce ball. Oh lord, yeah, we could. I, there are bars that incorporate bocce ball now. That's correct. I think we do our own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, no, I mean we we make it happen on our own. Yeah, on our very on our uneven divot filled lawn course. So <laughs> no, I think we got to go to a park somewhere. I think we're going to need a little more room if we're going to do some Olympic type games and stuff. Our uneven divot filled park. So could we could would we want to do bar games or would we want to do like a field day? What do you think, Brandon? Uh, are we doing the three legged race? What's going on here? <laughs> Yeah, potato sack. No. Dude, potato yes, sack. absolutely. T- potato sack racing would be electric. <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot tell you how many people would not call me for that race. I think Ben's been training since he was 10. There's almost no doubt about that. Who do you, who do you think would win that, though? I mean, what's the strategy? Ben is it it's Ben or Sam? So I could see Sam being just like a bull and just <laughs> plowing through everybody, you know, to get, you know, just the you know, straightest or the, you know, the fastest way to get somewhere is a straight line and so sam's just gonna bowl through everybody no matter what mm-hmm. i could see that approach but i could also see ben being nimble and quick where that that could come into play here here's a good uh here's a good anecdote i uh i remember when i actually was in the skinniest part of my life when i was actually the most fit and uh we were in college it was sam and i we actually tried out to be the uh, mascot handlers for <laughs> smu oh boy Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How did so, that go? Uh, uh, it went horribly for me. Um, so he should have paired himself with someone who actually had some speed. Right. So the idea being that you run across the field with a very small horse at lightning speed every single time that you actually get a touchdown, which with SMU is extremely rare. So fair. Uh, I figured that I had a lock, right? I had to run maybe, you know, once a game. So 
We uh, <laughs> zero faith in that team whatsoever. I love it. I actually had all the faith in that team and uh, was perpetually crushed. So mm. I was a true college sports fan, but uh, I definitely got the experience to run as fast as I could with Sam, not thinking to myself that Sam would spank me running across the field. He dragged that horse across <laughs> that field. Did, I'm sure he that did. Horse, that horse dragged my ass across that field. So I, it doesn't matter how how skinny and how fit I am. I could be looking like Mr. Universe and I'd still be the slowest person out there on that field. I have a question. Are we talking about like a little Sebastian type situation here? Or are we talking like a mini pony? Or are we talking like a full size oh, horse? It, no, it's it's a uh, it's Peruna, and it is a mini pony, and uh, it is it is a small black horse. And uh, I can confirm that I am slower than small black horses. What what would you say this thing weighs? Oh man, that's a hard call. Um, <laughs> probably probably give it a a solid uh you know what hell i don't know i probably if i spitballed i'd probably tell you it's like 150 pounds or something okay so the average horse like range and like obviously it just it's going to depend on the breed and everything is right. 800 anywhere between 840 pounds and 2200 pounds 840 <laughs> and what <laughs> and 2200 think about like a clydesdale or something like that like a big okay. fucking horse Okay, well, this this must have been the odd man out. I th- you must be looking at the wrong data. I'm sorry. There's no way this thing weighed a, a solid 840 pounds. Yeah, but no, but what I'm saying, you're what you're telling me though. This is ridiculous. This is terrible radio. <laughs> this is well. This is exactly this is out of control. What, um, yeah. what you're telling me though is that it's a mini horse, so that's a smaller version of the average horse. Right, so as far as horse units go, this just, is probably <laughs> like what, like a third of of a horse, half of a horse. When, I don't know. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be less than four twenty. So okay. I mean, whenever it, I said Clydesdale, I really pictured a Clydesdale just dragging you across a damn football field. At least that would be less humiliating than what happened. <laughs> That's a good point. I also would have loved to have seen Sam dragging a Clydesdale across the football field. That would have been ridiculous. <laughs> oh my God. On its side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, this is uh, this is a definitely a moment where I held Sam back. He, I think he had this one on lock, and I was, uh, I was chopping it as hard as I could, and I still couldn't make it. So to be a hundred percent fair, you were kind of banking on the fact that they weren't going to score a lot of touchdowns. So your slowness probably wouldn't come into play very often. It's probably what you were thinking here, right? I, you know, if, if I had actually put that math together in my head, I think that I would have been able to say that that was true. But, uh, at the time I was pretty enamored with the Mustangs and I thought to myself, this was a really good team to play or to, sorry, to cheer for. Yeah. Um, no, no, I don't, I don't hate that. I'm not ragging on the loyalty of it, but I just love that you're you just knew realistically what was going to happen. No, realistically, I knew I was slow and I was going to get my ass dragged by a horse. So that's exactly what happened. I, I, it was everything was shot for shot exactly what I thought was going to happen, and it and it stuck to the plan. Man. So Sam beat the hell out of me, and uh, and that is that. Sam's much faster than I thought he was. So there's nothing worse than going into something like that thinking this is going to be bad, and then it's bad. And then it's over, and you're like, "Yeah, that went exactly as planned." That's no, no different than what I thought. It's it was one thing be. to actually like call your shots and say this is going to suck, yeah. but 
it's another thing to say it's going to suck for a little bit and then it's going to be okay. It was worse than I thought it was going to suck. And afterwards, Sam never let me forget it. So I, I believe that I probably wouldn't either. <laughs> We're there. I love it. I, I just I I don't think that we thought we were going to get to measuring horses in the first ten minutes, but here we are. So you know, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think if we did a rundown of the actual episode, it'd be like tonight we're measuring horses. You know, like that would have probably been a good start. But I think but, back to the bar games thing. I still think bar games would be a lot of fun. I think maybe we incorporate both. Wait, I'm sorry, measuring horses in the bar games. No, <laughs> I was saying back to the bar games idea. We could have like bar games, and then we do like yard games or whatever as well. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to make this as broad as possible. Yeah, so I think that would give everybody a chance to display their talents or lack thereof. And we could even incorporate like a 40-yard dash into it. Why not? Please, God, don't. (laughs) Ooh, an SLM combine would be a lot of fun. (laughs) Now I have to go train. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I don't think any of us are going to do that. That seems like a lot of work. Be a lot of vomiting. Yeah, I think I'd wipe the floor with everybody, though. Fair I, enough. I really do. I, I, I'm, I'm quick. Well, I Just mean, saying. you've got agility on lock. Not as quick as he used to be. Uh, that's a good point. But I still think I could smoke everybody because everybody else is in, you know, equitable shape to me. So, like, you know, I'm, you know, it'll be fine. I mean, I feel like I've lost a step from losing a step, so I think that we're really in trouble here. Uh, we'll see. You know what? You brought up the other day, Carl, that has just been astounding to me, though, is how... Okay, Brandon, let me ask you. So, Carl and I have talked about this before, so I think this is a, a good way to do this. Have you ordered a product from Amazon that's their Amazon Basics line? Yes. How, Whenever that package has arrived, how many boxes would you say are involved in one of these Amazon Basics? Like, boxes within boxes. Uh, I'd say there's probably two. Okay. Carl and I bought bocce ball. Carl, actually, you tell this. You talk about this because I'll kind of tell you what happened later on. But go ahead, Carl. No, I uh, not only did I buy the bocce ball line of product from Amazon Basics, which, by the way, what the hell are they doing branching out into bocce ball? I mean, they've got they've got all their electronics and everything, which I did buy an Amazon Basics USB hub. Um, you know, and it, it suffered from the same plight as which I'm about to tell you that the bocce ball <laughs> suffered from. But, uh, the idea here is that you order an Amazon basis product because it's got Amazon's name stamped on it and it has 4,000 positive reviews. And you think to yourself, this is a pretty solid deal for not a whole lot of money. So you go ahead and you get your box and you open it from the same company that brought you simple packaging, by the way. Which this that may that must be their mea culpa for what I'm about to explain, because when you open up an Amazon Basics package, it is a Russian nesting doll situation. <laughs> I'm talking about you open up like the outside box, and you're like, "Good, I'm I'm almost there." No, you're not. That's yeah. the problem. No, not you've even got, close. You've got another box you've got to open and then another box directed with, you know, maybe, you know, protected with a little bit of uh, the air packaging. And then underneath that, you've actually got your Amazon brand box, right? Right. The one 
that says Amazon Basics on it. You're like, thank God I've actually made it. And then you take that apart. And then you've got six more pieces of cardboard to deal with. So um, that was never more true than uh, this this Amazon Basics USB hub. You thought, dude, you thought that the actual bocce ball situation was bad. I was taking apart shit like a jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> It was it was like why why did you do this? I mean, there were boxes that fit into other boxes that maybe needed to be padded in some other way. Jeff Bezos, if you're listening, and I know you are, you son Gotta of a be. bitch. Got it. Yeah. Uh fix this. Go go back to your simple packaging for your own product because whatever you're doing right now is a travesty. It's wrong. Yeah. Is what it is. I mean, it's a really good way to get chew toys for my dog. Um, if I want to put together a bunch of random cardboard pieces and throw them out on the ground, uh, my dog will love that, but it's not actually a great economic way to package a product. It's really not. It's funny because I ordered the bocce ball set as well to have a set here at the house. And so I got it like the day before you did. And I went exactly through this whole nesting doll type situation. And so I was like, I'm going to text Carl about this. I was like, no, I'm going to wait and see whenever he opens his. You know, if it was kind of the same situation. And I really hadn't thought about it after that. And then you texted me and you're like, I got the bocce ball set. And I was like, did you like that Russian nesting doll type situation you had going on there? And you were like, yes, what the fuck? And and so uh, not even a week later, though, I ordered a new microphone stand just because we needed another one for the studio. And it was an Amazon Basics one. Same exact fucking thing. It was in like seven boxes. Because every single time it comes from overseas and needs to be packaged in enough protective material to make sure that none of that gets out. I don't know what they're doing, but it's it's very strange. At some point, though, you've got to like think that you're just adding weight to the package. Yeah, ounces is pounds. That's what they teach you in hiking. What the hell are they thinking in the logistics of Amazon? <laughs> so... No, I, I would uh, I would 100% agree with that. I can't imagine that they are actually saving any kind of money by doing this. Why not just restamp the same damn box I know. with a different package label? Why not overlay that? So anyway, I mean, to uh, to beat the dead small Peruna horse, you know, we're we're over it. Yeah. Amazon. Yeah. We're done. That's our rant for the week. We're just going to call that the rant of the week. <laughs> Is this is this our new quarter? We should order things from more places and yeah. just break that down. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, the POS quarter. Just what we need is another one of those. <laughs> just what we need, dude. This whole David Ortiz story is crazy. So right before we came in the studio, Brandon, are you up to speed on this? Yeah. So I saw the officials came out uh, down there in the Dominican Republic and stated that uh, per their investigation, that Ortiz was wrongfully targeted and it was a basically a mistargeting sort of campaign i guess but like according to who like i it's like i know it's like the attorney general or whatever but like if- i mean i i have to imagine they've got someone in the gulf cartel right i mean they, they know it may be that much I, I this is me like really stretching it right now i mean for my limited knowledge of dominican republic policing but i can tell you that the idea here is that the Gulf cartel ordered the hit and that they hit the wrong man. So uh, I have no idea 
what the hell's going on down there. And I can't tell you if I, I can actually trust these people or not, but it sounds like there's some legit police working going on. I imagine that there has to be, uh, there's probably a lot of thumbs on the scale as far as what actually gets told with this whole situation and actually what, what gets reported, what gets actually investigated, because this is not exactly a low profile crime. That's very true. I, I wonder about the big poppy sized guy that got away with one because big poppy took a bullet through the gut. I wonder what he's thinking right now. Like, should I get out of here? Should, I mean, I, I mean, how do you mistake that? He's huge. <laughs> if, if I was in any, uh, you know, 30s sitcom kind of situation, I'd probably say check, please. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a crazy story. It's gross. I, it's horrible. I think uh, the one thing that, that really caught my eye when I was reading about it was fans of Poppy actually ran after the dude that did it. And they, they tackled the dude on a motorcycle who was trying to get away. That's how they got this guy who actually was there getting questioned and everything. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty strong. I mean, there's one thing I know about people in the Dominican Republic that are baseball fans is they're baseball fans. Yes. Like capital F. So they're, uh, they're serious about their game and I get it. I mean, but that's, uh, that's some good Samaritan work right there making that happen. And, uh, I have no idea what they're going to come out with this with, but it's uh, it's some pretty some pretty scary stuff. I, do you know where he's being treated right now? He is, is being, he in America or is he in Dominican Republic? No, yeah, he's in Boston. He's he's in. I saw it today. He's in like good condition. He's been at Mass General in Boston for the last two weeks, I think. Now, ever since it happened, they flew him on the team plane that night. Yeah, so. that's it's pretty surprising stuff. Lost part of his gallbladder and and uh, part of his intestine. So it's, it's not exactly some kind of throwaway thing. I mean, this is, this is serious injury stuff. Yeah, it really is. And it's like, it's one of those things where I just, I, I was talking about this on the outfielder the other day. Think about the pull you must have. If you're from the Dominican Republic and a major league baseball team, as big as the Red Sox is like, when do we send our plane down to get you to bring you back to Boston to make sure that you're okay? Because that's how much you mean to this place, this team, this city. That's that's a significant amount of pull. Yeah, I'm not shocked, honestly. I mean, the fact that Boston would do that. I mean, Boston's uh, a lot of things, but they got some character. And, and that doesn't surprise me at all. So uh, good on them for really really stretching out and making that happen because uh, he needed probably the best care in the world, you know? Yeah, for sure. And that's, I mean, that's just irreplaceable. And I mean, yeah, you just have these like cast of characters and he's just one of them from Boston. That's just legendary. And I mean, I think he's legendary in everything that he's done. I mean, he's a genuinely really good dude and it's bullshit. This kind of thing happens, especially for as much as he's given back to the DR and everything. That's fair. I think uh, I think it's pretty surprising that uh, anyone would target him outright unless there was something insidious going on. But the uh, I mean, it, the fact that it was shown supposedly that 
someone was actually trying to attack one of his friends and, mis- and was mistaking him for for them um, really makes me wonder what the hell his friend was into because uh, I know he's a friend he's a TV personality and he, you know I mean any personality can have a big mouth and and get in trouble for it but uh, this this seems like a few layers deep so I'm I'm waiting to see what's happening with that I'm waiting to see what uh, what comes out of the press as far as what his friend did to, to piss this golf cartel off. I mean, could you imagine like <laughs> the, like the breadth of that amount of people coming after you that want to take you out? Like if, if you're in that situation on an Island, like there's only so many places you can go. So I, I've seen, I am legend. So I have a pretty good idea of how that turns out. Yeah. I watched lost. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fill fill in uh, island riot scene here. Yeah, exactly. Not uh not great. Brandon, did you watch Lost? No, um, I might have seen a few episodes, but never, never was really a show that stayed with me. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. I, we've talked <laughs> about it on here before. I was really pissed off because Claire and I watched like six seasons of it or however many before. Like it was like the second to last season. She told me that the ending is really terrible. And I was like, well, that's great. <laughs> Stop watching. <laughs> that's what I heard. No, I was more into uh, I was watching 24 at that time. I have a real 24 problem in that I owned all of the DVDs and they got stolen from me. But Ooh. in reality, right. I am addicted to 24 every single time it shows back up. So I have uh, maybe I have a key for Sutherland problem, but uh, yeah, I do too. Um, actually, he has his own band and they do like country, sort of like country Western type music. And they were at Billy Bob's last year. I went to check them out. They were really good, actually. Really? What does Kiefer do in this band? Does he sing? Tambourine? He sing, plays guitar. Wow. Yep. Man he's, of many talents. A, well, he's been an avid guitar collector for a long time, and I always knew that part of him, but never really knew that, like, he, him and his friend, uh, uh, this I forget his name, but they came up with a uh, label called Ironworks uh, Productions or something like that, and uh, it was based in L.A., and so they booked a lot of, like, really well-known artists at the time, like mid-2000s, I guess it was, and eventually his friend was just kind of like, you know, you should come up with your, you know, I know you have songs and material. You should come up with like, you know, your own band and stuff. And so he eventually did it. And now he's, uh, he just released his second album and he's doing really well with that. So I just mm-hmm. hope he comes back to 24 because uh, if you were anything, if you're anything like me, uh, I tried that, that new 24 version that came out and um i think it was starring Corey hawkins who played like uh uh who was it in the nwa movie and it wasn't uh wasn't that good it was really big pile of shit not good i uh i i only caught uh an episode or two and and then i abstained which tells you a lot because i owned every season of 24 i was addicted right so um I mean, yeah. I mean, at some point, are the are the plot lines a little little kitschy? Sure, but I, uh, as far as I, I would put it above junk food TV, at least from a novelty standpoint, it definitely had a lot going on for it. And uh, also, Kiefer Sutherland in the uh, 
the actual bonus material, very soft-spoken man. Oh, yeah. Very surprised by that. Uh, his father, not so much. He's he's got a he's got a presence. I mean, like he really does. I mean, he fills a room. Uh, it's kind of like a Morgan Freeman character, you know. Hmm. And uh, you know, but Kiefer Sutherland uh, damn near whispers every single thing he says. Right. And, uh, I mean, it's just I don't know what the hell happened there, and what I mean because I mean, if you're used to watching Twenty Four and him just shouting "damn" into the you know screen, I mean, yeah. it's. Uh, it's it has it's it's very jarring to see that <laughs> that uh that change but it's yeah. uh it's pretty cool uh, he seems like a pretty legit dude and so i hope he comes back i hope he doesn't mind kind of resurrecting that series in a way even if it is kind of his uh his his bow out of stardom so how many seasons of that show are there nine nine okay i know mm-hmm. it went on a long time at least eight I know that for a fact. At least eight. I think you're right. I think it was nine because they did eight, and the eighth one was when he was in uh, he was back in New York City, right? And um, I think that's when he like cornered Logan and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um, they did that one in London, which I think was the ninth one, and that, that was, was that was, that was a different one. It was like so. Typically, twenty four was was twenty four episodes, right? A day in the life of Jack Bauer, and this one, uh, the ninth one was, they truncated it to twelve episodes. So it was like you get to see all twenty-four hours within twelve, which made it a little bit nicer in terms of they can edit it. You don't have to deal with these stupid subplots of Kim running off and like encountering a cougar in the canyons of LA or something. You're like, <laughs> uh, yeah, there there were so many times like that in 24 years, like, oh, come on. Yeah. But, you know, it's like early 2000s TV, you know, so it's very different from how it is now. It's very gritty now, but I like the ninth one a lot. I never really got into that show that much because of that exact thing you just talked about right there, where it there just felt like times where it drags and drags and drags. And it, like, other times it's really electric, but the times it drags feels like pulling teeth to me. I'll, I'll I'll make the quick comparison here, and I'll say, to me, early two thousands TV is to me now as what I would have looked at uh, late nineties, mid nineties TV to the early two thousands. Okay, right, kind of like, um, you know, Die Hard two is to Die Hard one as Die Hard 3 is to Die Hard 2, right? We've always been moving the the goalpost as far as how good TV has gotten. Sure. But, yeah, you're right. There, I mean, like, we used to get some real wacky-ass subplots. Uh, my favorite go-to is MacGyver. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, think, I think MacGyver is a great uh, analogy, at least from on the bare surface to 24, and the fact that you've got a man working for a unit and he's trying to get some things done uh, against a foe. Right. So, but you, you do get that kind of random hijinks and kind of filler kind of crap in, but it used to be so much worse. Uh, I mean, it really, I mean, like go back and watch like season four or five of MacGyver and you'll be like, what the hell is going on? And then you go back to, you know, season four or five of, of 24 and it, it, and it seems like a pretty nice and tight package Yeah. by comparison. Right. Now you look at the today's very uh, gritty, 
down to content. They know they're doing war every single episode because of binge watching. Uh, they're they're definitely cutting the fat. Well, I think we've gotten to a point. I mean, I guess to to your point, I think we've gotten to a point in movies where, or just in entertainment, TV shows, whatever it is, that gritty is a must because it has to feel relatable in some way. You have to have it fit in some type type of way with your everyday life. And I think as a society, we've also gotten smarter just in general. I think the access to information helps that. And so I think we're able to follow complex subplots and stuff like that, like Breaking Bad or, you know, whatever, insert whatever show you want to put there, like Westworld that seems wildly confusing, but is told in some of the most dynamic ways we've ever seen. It, the bar has just been raised so much in that that sense, I feel like. It has. Um, I, I think that it really has. But have we gotten too gritty? Um, I mean, there is there is that level of grittiness that I think that we, we've gone over gritty. There, there was that James Vanderbeek uh, kind of joking take on Power Rangers that was on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It was saying, yeah, uh, okay, so just to sum it up for everybody who hasn't seen it, the idea was that they were taking something that was as, as goofy and kitschy as Power Rangers, right? Which was, there's a whole history of how ridiculous that whole system was and boiling it down to just being super gritty and like real hardcore and, and they've got like, you know, this this intense kind of sequence where they're like the bad guy meeting the good guy and everything. And it's just like this really intense vignette of uh, that idea of, of something as stupid as Power Rangers growing up. Right. And I think the idea was to gather that we've gone over gritty. We we've pushed it to the point where we're, we're over gritting everything and we need to maybe dial it back a, li- a, a little bit because we've lost a little bit of that levity. Um, I can't necessarily say that's that's uh, 100% true because what you're saying is correct, that we are getting into a situation where, yeah, grittiness is, ne- is necessary because life sucks. Yeah. And we all have to grind through it, you know, kind of thing. There's, there's a lot of that going on. But... Uh, is, is there a point where there is so much shit hitting the fan in every episode that you wonder if we've gone over this, like we stepped over that threshold, maybe, maybe need to back it up a little bit. Um, I, I, don't I don't know. What do you think, Brandon? I don't know. Let me think about this for a second. Cause it feels like, yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I don't know if I agree with that assessment. I mean, I get it. You know, we used to, <laughs> All of us grew up on the TGIF fame, which, by the way, it's been 25 years since we all tuned in, at least I did at that night, and tuned into Hanging with Mr. Cooper. And then it got interrupted with a white Bronco being chased. Hell yeah, dude. Hell, <laughs> yeah. Hell yes. All right. Okay, so that begs another question real quick, because I, I want to get back to this, Brandon. But what do you guys think of his Twitter videos and everything? Have you guys seen these? ridiculous i've avoided him like the plague i can tell you that have you why just (laughs) because you're not curious 
I, I think that part of me is, but then I also grew up with the whole period where it was just like juiced and like OJ was trying to make a comeback with, you know, like, you know, shock videos of stuff and things like that. I actually met Kato Kayla once. I won't bury that lead too hard, but right. I will say that a lot of the shit they got into later was very, very reality TV. Mm-hmm. And it got really weird like prank shows, that kind of thing. I, I honestly, I've had my fill of OJ. And if, uh, if I only have to experience him in naked gun, uh, that will be a plus. Man. Okay. What do you think about that, Brandon? Uh, you know, he's come out and, and said like on Twitter, like now he has his own Twitter account and, from what I heard, someone was messaging him, uh, sent him some DMs on Twitter, and he responded. And I don't know how true this is, but apparently he responded. And he was just like, you know, if you don't shut up, I'm going to cut you. And he was like, and the guy, the guy no responded. No way he said like, that, right? <laughs> no way he the said guy, that. Yeah. The guy responded who, who I guess his account or whatever was just trying to, like, you know, press his buttons. He was like, dude, I only have like 300 followers. There's other guys that are probably doing this that have way more many followers. And he was just like, he's like, no, man, you're going to learn, blah, 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 blah. And he was just like, oh, yeah, is that is that what you told Nicole uh, the night you killed them? <laughs> I mean, you're setting yourself up for that kind of thing. I mean, that's what you're right. doing. Yeah. But like the fact that he's made several sardonic comments, like I've got some getting even to do is kind of terrifying. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm just like, why do you even say that? Because he knows what he's doing. He's a human meme. Dude, he knows what he's doing. He is going to get a reality show, and he's going to make fucking millions. It's I guarantee it, because people are curious. People want to know. Let's play play the game. What channel is going to carry his his reality show? I hope Uh, that the interns are out trying to pitch him right now to bring it to us, because that'd be great. That would be awesome. <laughs> Interns get after it. Dude, we could make Juice an intern. Could you imagine putting him on like, <laughs> I don't know, one of the, like just Peachy? Just put him as an intern on that show. Oh, my God. That'd be, oh, he, man. That'd probably be the show to uh, avoid the most for him. Yeah, that, no, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. How about How about a trust level that you have to actually <laughs> eclipse to make that happen? I feel like Claire and Caitlin wouldn't say a word. They'd just sit there with dead air for an hour because I'd be terrified <laughs> if I were them. I wouldn't blame them one bit. I wouldn't be in a room with them either. That's the one rule if we get him working here. He's not in my office, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, but no. anyway, so uh, the whole OJ thing, that brings up a good point. But back to the grittiness thing. I didn't want to get off that yeah, too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's fair. So I, I I feel like to me I kind of with Brandon on this I I love the grittiness feel to it I love it to f- feel as real as absolute possible so like that's why movies like Inception and stuff like that were so badass because they were really really like they felt real and I think it's better I really do and I think if you start to like go back the other way at all it feels really cheesy really quickly. It could be like Ren a kid, you know. It's not I, just, supposed to be like <laughs> I was gonna bring it up earlier, but I was like, no, that's a good leave, idea. No, you have to br- you have to bring up Ren a kid. Um, I was gonna say not everything could be as gritty as Ren a kid, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> or Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, uh, Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, nineteen ninety. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, we were talking about something else in the group chat, kind of on the movie topic the other day, though, and it kind of 
involves the whole Men in Black thing. Was it Men in Black International now or whatever the hell it's called? It is. And, man, I'm just so under the opinion that they really should have stopped at, like, maybe two of these. There's just so many of these movies in this franchise now. and I mean, Will Smith, how many of these are there? You're going to be okay with the uh, the heavy lift of Laura Flynn Boyle, Boyle as the uh, as the bad guy on in MIB two. Yeah, I, uh, it's not a great choice. That's eh, not great. No, I, I, Brand, I, I, I was just going to say I'm giving it. I was going to try to give them two movies at least because one. I mean, they could have stopped at one and it would have been perfect. But I wanted to try to give them a sequel, even though they didn't do it right. But no sequel is ever really done properly. There's I think so what would have been interesting for this whole thing is that, you know, the MIB thing, Men in Black, I mean, the if you look at, like, the the folklore of it, uh, really goes back to, like, Roswell and the Mothman prophecies and all that stuff kind of kicked in. So you're talking, like, you know, 40s, 50s, and 60s. So if anything is going to kind of reset it, why not take it back in time to the beginning of when MIB started and do something like that? You don't necessarily have to bring in like Tommy Lee Jones or anything like that, but you could you could start it from like a very archaic standpoint. Um, I feel like that would have been more interesting than what they're doing now. I get what they're doing now, but it's really just kind of a copy paste from what Marvel's doing. Like, oh, look what Thor Ragnarok did or look, look what whatever else did. And we can build our own universe out, out of this. And it's just I, I think audiences are too smart for that. I don't hate that take. I really don't because, uh, by the way, there are four of these movies, two of which never got off the ground of development and got canceled. Right. I think uh, when you're actually talking about MIB International, it's it's pretty prescient. You bring up Ragnarok, obviously, from casting perspective. But the uh, the whole thing, good Lord, talk about developmental hell. I mean... They, they really churned this thing over and over and over. And when I read about the fact that they not only had rewrites uh, before, during, but then they also had dialogue coaches and, uh, and writers for each individual actor interjecting while this whole process was happening. That's a freaking, like, it's just a cluster. I mean, I, act, I, I, I agree with you. What's going on. It's a mess. I actually just figured out exactly why they keep doing these movies. How much do you guys think this franchise has made at the box office? Four films. Probably a good amount. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll I'll put my neck on the line here and I'll and I'll say a number that will probably be over or under here, but uh uh I'll probably give you all four films. I'll put you at 200 million. One point seven six one billion. I should have freaking prices right at this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> one dollar. Uh, we'll see in two. It's oh my Sony. god, Carl, no. you're gonna be about to be so mad at yourself. The original one did five hundred eighty nine million on its own. <laughs> yep. What were, Shit. What were you gonna say, Brandon? I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, what I was going to say is it's it's also Sony Pictures that's doing this. And yeah. you know, they've been doing it from the very beginning with the first Men in Black. And, you know, I I like Sony in terms of, you know, their products and all that kind of stuff. But as far as their decision-making with movies and films, 
hasn't really made sense to me at all. Um, if anything, it's just pissed me off and infuriated me as a avid movie viewer. Uh, so like a uh, uh, girl with the dragon tattoo is a prime example. That movie I thought was fantastic. Uh, directed by David Fincher. And what did they do years later? They couldn't get it off the ground in terms of, you know, getting David Fincher on. I understand he's like sort of a, uh, an arrogant prick when it comes to directing and you have to, you know, abide by his Bible and shit. And so I get that maybe you can't bring him back, but they're like, no, we're just going to like throw the entire cast to the wind and we're going to get a brand new cast and do this new uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movie as a follow up years later and which of course didn't last in theaters very long at all so i feel like they're very much one when you look at studios you know like you look at what uh, disney's done with marvel and and how instrumental they've been and just kind of like you know what we're just going to sit back you guys know what you're doing we don't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen uh i would say sony's on the other end of the spectrum in terms of going in and fucking things up they really have been bad about that their entire time. Is that just a, a money play? Is that what it is? I think that's what it is. They just look at it from like, you know, they think they look at movies like Moneyball. They're just like, oh, well, we look at the stats of this and the stats of that. And like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough. Um, they're they're the most egregious about retaining rights by actually recycling old films. And uh, nothing is more apparent than. Uh, their negotiations with, negotiations with Marvel, and they're uh, they're actual talking about moving from Tobey Maguire to Andrew Garfield to uh, this. I mean, I'm sorry, I forget his his name, but the uh, the new actor for Spider Man. That's what I'm talking about is the Spider Man films and, and like Fantastic Four and things it was with the Fox, obviously, but um, rights retainment stuff like that. Sony is egregious for that. Um, I obviously I I'm sorry I even brought Fantastic Four into this, but the bottom line is that <laughs> the, it's it's gross. But uh, yeah, they they are uh, very notorious for their uh, fingers in every pie approach. Their their take on uh, every month like money generating uh, actual. Uh, franchise that they create or they're part of they try to milk that bitch until it's dead and uh i think that the brand is spot on 100 percent. it's tom holland by the way is who you're trying to think of as thank you Spider-Man. very much tom holland good lord yeah who's who's a good choice for that yeah absolutely i mean like again that. that what it only took them two franchises before to actually kind of juggle people around and get to the point where they were actually part of you know team players, but uh, yeah, you know, you, know I mean, you figure it out four episodes or you know four uh, editions in, it's fine. It just seems like a shitty way to do business. It feels like you're dragging the public up and down a, a runway for no reason. This is the same movie over and over again. That's kind of what I was saying about the Men in Black movies. Is this has got to be? I, I can't imagine what difference the plot line would really be at the end of the day. I mean, Men in Black, for as complex as it is, is incredibly simple. <laughs> yeah, there's. I, I think Brandon's take on this is spot on. I really do. Uh, when it comes to actually uh, talking about when the the period type thing should be filmed, um, I mean, origin stories are killer, and 
when you do it right, you're actually making money. When you're actually talking about a period film, you're making money. Put that shit together. Go back. I mean, this is you're printing money for nothing and you actually have a good story written out for you. I don't get the point that they're trying to do with this whole universal thing. I mean, not universal as in a production house, but universal as in like, you know, creating an MCU kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. It just seems like a money grab is all it comes down to. Yep. I'm sad. in. Sad. Sad. Uh, Brandon, you uh, you hit one on the head the other day with this whole Joker movie being rated R. I did. Uh, you know, looking at the trailer and everything, it just it made sense to me and there's a different take. Uh, but yeah, the directors come out and said that it is going to be indeed rated R. Uh, so I think this is going to be a very strong showing for, you know, kind of what correlates to what we're discussing already when, when it comes to uh, movie pictures and, and uh, those companies. So WB, as we know, for the last several years with the DCEU really kind of too much of their presence in the kitchen, if you will, too many cooks in the kitchen. Now they decided to kind of go back and retreat and be like, you know what, let's let these directors kind of like, let's put trust in them to come up with these really, really solid stories. And hey, why not, you know, work for Deadpool. So let's make it rated R. Let's, let's be the gritty uh, studio that we should be, you know, and, and I'm glad they're finally stepping up into that. Uh, sounds like this also could be the take for the Batman because, uh, Kind of what we discussed on last episode, um, you know, I had sort of a theory that who knows, maybe the story is going to be sort of taken on the long Halloween and uh, it's already been leaked out that it's going to definitely be part of the long Halloween, which is uh, I am so excited for that. Hell yeah. I am. too. Brandon, I've got a I've got a question for you. Um, as far as. The grittiness and everything is concerned with uh, Batman. Sorry, I'm just trying to think here. Um, I lost my train of thought. Hate when that happens. I hate that. I hate. I fucking hate that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sucks whenever you're on radio. Yeah, Brandon's here all night for questions. Yeah, (laughs) I'll 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 think of it and I'll I'll throw it at you. I'm sorry. And autographs, by the way. For those mm. asking, should leave us a message for autograph. Brandon will mail them to <laughs> yeah. you. I don't want those calls. Yeah, you do. Come on. <laughs> Speaking of uh, that, we I, we need to check the voicemail pretty soon because I've gotten some calls on our other some of the other lines. So we need to check those later. And okay. uh, I think that's going to be great content to play on the show. I think we should just start playing them. Remember whenever you had Aaron's calling up the the oh, yeah, yeah. the front desk trying to get collect from weren't they in Georgia? Yeah, Georgia. Yeah, we thought Sam had something to do with it. Ordered a bunch of office furniture and build the build SLM I still think for it. Yeah, something to do with it. Yeah, I think so too. Dirty so what what are what are y'all's thoughts on uh, Joker being rated R? That comes out this October. They're filming the end of this year, beginning of next year for the Batman. That comes out, I think, October November of next year. I'm excited for this. Like I, <laughs> I've been you and I've been talking about this since we very first saw the teaser. And I had a, I had a feeling it was going to be rated R as well, just because of the way that that teaser made everything look, and it just feels like this story can't be told in a PG thirteen man- manner. So I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. At, at what point, uh, Brandon, do you think that this becomes derivative uh, when it comes to rated R 
superhero or supervillain movies, uh, when do you think that we actually get to the point where it's uh, it you look at your your lineup and you think to yourself, boy, that is just an homage to X movie. Um, that, and that, that's what I was trying to think of earlier. I'm sorry. Okay. So you're talking about more in terms of uh, the Batman, what we were talking about with like Catwoman and Penguin being too much of an homage to Batman Returns or? Well, not necessarily that, but also talking about the actual grittiness of a movie and, and, and getting into the fact that we have an R-rated movie, right? Mm-hmm. So we have Deadpool already, right? And Deadpool is uh, its own kind of uh, archetype its own kind of set forth thing and it's in its own realm right but we're going to start getting a lot of these things where we have a r-rated movie that is a superhero movie or a super villain movie and we're going to have i think probably the first real taste of the grittiness factor with batman and the joker right this is good this is a good place to start because that's where I think most of these things should start when it comes to actual uh, the idea lab of, of comic movies and things like that. Uh, you, it's hard to actually get a more dynamic, uh, you know, couple of hero and villain, but moving forward, how many of these things do you think we get as far as R rated movies that we get to the point where you say, we've seen all this. Uh, this, is, this is all repetitive uh, when it comes to actual superhero R-rated gritty movies. Yeah, I hear what you're saying in terms of it uh, being too much of a risk in terms of being oversaturated with the market. Um, I feel like the Joker is the perfect movie to become rated R because in the comics, you don't really know who the Joker is. You don't know the uh, what started that whole train of thought to become who he was, uh, who he used to be before that, you know, what was his true identity? You didn't really know that. And so this is kind of a different take on it. Um, I feel like that's the perfect movie for it. I don't expect the Batman to become rated R. I fully expect it to be PG 13, just because it's one of the, the most classic uh, famous, you know, heroes of all time. I don't expect uh, them to be like, oh, well, anybody below 17. 17, yeah. Yeah. So, but what's interesting is that um, I feel like that Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is going to play a part eventually because they are writing a trilogy of films for the Batman. Uh, I hope that they hold off until the second film, kind of like what Christopher Nolan did. Um, but what's interesting is that the Batman film, the very first one's going to take place in the 90s. And the Joker's movies, as far as I know, takes place like somewhere in the mid 80s. So it kind of gives Joker sort of mm. like a head start uh, to where when Batman takes place, he doesn't know who this guy is or, you know, maybe he knows a little bit about him. But again, we're talking 90s technology before the Internet, you know, or really the Internet as we know it. So, uh, but yeah, it's a good, it's a good point to bring up because I feel like if, if a lot of films started going down that path of rated R, uh, it, it would definitely oversaturate and kind of isolate, uh, the viewership. Yeah. You basically split the, the viewership in half almost because people can't take their kids to it. Right. So I think yeah, that less, matters. Less marketable for sure. 
Uh, yeah. But maybe so. for some of the more abstract stuff that you're going to see, like the Joker, I mean, you could have more of that kind of stuff. And to Brandon's point, they're building that universe out. They've obviously thought about the time periods here, and they're really thinking about how it's all going to tie together. Because then there's probably going to play the game of there being an absence lap, lack in time. You just don't know how much. And you got to figure that out as it goes along. So, I mean, you're going to have that opportunity no matter what, regardless of whether Batman would be rated R or not. Or regardless of whether you kept that PG-13, I should say. Yeah. So, But to Carl's point, you also don't want to oversaturate the market either. I My only... My only thing is, uh, and, and obviously I defer to Brandon on this, but I, I, I really do have the question of, well, let me preface this by saying that the actual Joker versus the Batman thing is correct. I think that your take on it is awesome. The uh, the PG-13 perspective, yes, you want to have as many people there as possible. When you have the rated R Joker, that is absolutely a piece that you want to show the uh ferocity of which the joker is operating uh but when you actually get to let's say five years down the line i think that i'm calling calling my shot right now that a lot of places are going to start looking at a rated r superhero thing and saying boy that's an untapped market and trying to really shoehorn themselves in to a really really rare market to begin with and ending up with a steaming pile of crap because what they've tried to do is get in there with their product. Let's say Superman rated R. Do you really think that's going to turn out really well? No, I don't No. No, no, but, but I think that it's an unbalanced take on things where people try to actually get into that niche market of R rated superhero movies because it does generate money. And come out with nothing because they've they've jumped on a bandwagon that is that is supposed to be very niche so anyway that's that's my belief and and we'll we'll only find out you know five to ten years from now but i think uh i'm calling my shot now that people are really going to start throwing themselves at that crap carl do you feel like the iteration of batman movies that were under christopher nolan do you feel like those are very gritty? I do. I do. I, I have a I have a true fit, feel of grit to those. Um, but I also believe that they have um, the right themes involved. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that they capitalize on that grit. I think that what they capitalize on is the the rebound story, you know, the the comeback story, basically. Uh, obviously, in the third one, and uh, the second one, I think they capitalize on that relationship between that dynamic. Obviously, the dark detective. Uh, uh, obviously, the the take on that adversarial aspect of things. This is a guy who he has to conquer, and it is something that is costing hundreds if not thousands of lives uh there's a lot at stake there uh, and the first one is a solid origin story i think that the grit takes a backseat to that and that's and what i'm talking about too much grit that's all i'm talking about is you know making the grit the focal point of all the movies yeah you know, to make a movie for the sake of having grit 
Whereas if you have these these Christopher Nolan movies, you actually have some really important themes and really important dynamics between characters that overshadow the fact that, yeah, it's gritty. You know, it's it's more realistic. And I think that it's important that for a superhero movie to feel grounded right. in some way. Uh, but I also feel like when you're talking about grittiness and things like that, that uh, they add to a movie, but you don't want them to subtract from it as well. So it's like being gritty, but not trying to be, you know, like that's not the main purpose. That's an element to it. It's it keeps the focal point grounded, like you said, but it also gives it. I don't know. It's just it's not a try hard kind of situation. It's a it's a very natural feel to it that makes it feel realistic as in all things make it feel effortless i mean that's that's the key right uh, when you're a director you don't want to make people think god this is this is a herculean task trying to pull all the scrap together uh you're trying to tell a story and uh that's that's the beauty of a director especially a good one is they're making it all seem like it plays together very well and you're not trying to do a heavy lift as an audience member so I think uh, that's, yeah, I mean, when you're looking at it and everything, the grit takes a back seat and you, and you really get a good story on top of everything. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to make that look bad. I agree with that because the story's told perfectly. And that's, that's probably the key element of those movies. And I think Brandon would probably agree that that's what makes those movies so great. And especially as a trilogy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The story is everything. I know we've talked about this before, like, would it have done well to have another, like, a fourth? Or do you think they ended it at the right time? They ended it at the perfect time. I think so, too. Yeah, that would have that have been pilloried as a money grab. The only person that could have pulled that off is Christopher Nolan, and boy, am I glad he wasn't attached to that crap. Strong um, agree. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, that's one thing where if you had the right script and they had the right thing, that's what Christian Bale was always talking about. If you have the right script and you have the right you know, combination of director producer, he'd come back for that kind of thing. And uh, that did not happen. Mm-mm. I mean, it was very obvious that that was not the direction he wanted to go. And he bailed hard. Yep. Uh, bailed, bailed. <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> I thought about leaving it alone. I really no, did. no, I, no, I jumped on that after, after the drive conversation last time, I could not leave that no. alone. Yeah, that's right. So I was going to bring it real quick because we uh, talked about in our group chat. Uh, Aubrey Plaza was on Stephen Colbert recently, and he was like, so I heard you like the you like Catwoman. And would you you know, there's a new Batman movie. Do you want to uh, throw your name out there? Because uh, I got a set of like I think it was like uh, cat ears on a headband or whatever. And she was like, OK, so she put it on and started acting like a cat and climbed across his desk and licked him in his face and everything. Uh, but I feel like as far as who would play Catwoman, uh, she definitely has my vote. I could see that. I saw this clip as well, and like it made it sort of come alive and made it just made you wonder about the possibilities of someone who would oh, yeah. be that great at acting that way. Yep. She, she's good. It's really good. I brought this up in the group chat uh, with you, Brandon, and I, I and I really believe this that. If if Aubrey Plaza had stopped at Parks and Rec, I would have told you that this is this is a big reach. But 
she didn't stop at Parks and Rec and she actually moved along and she actually got to be a part of some pretty interesting films. She's not scared of taking on some weird roles. There's a new Chucky movie coming out with this got her as part of it. That's strange as hell. And oh, I, we're going I, to see that. I can't I'm wait. In. I, I'm in. I'm ready. But I, I, I think that when I was actually taking a look at a, a real strange star vehicles like Legion. Yes. For instance. Mm-hmm that you've got an Aubrey Plaza that's uh, basically told to act crazy like every damn person on that set. And she pulls it off. I mean, she does a great job. That whole series, and we're not going to dive deep into this right now, I know, but is, uh, is shot in a way that is entertaining, but also makes you feel like you're batshit insane while you're watching it. And I think that that's a great, it's a great place for her to start as far as a Selena Kyle type. So go get them. Yeah. And, and what's crazy about that too, is the part of Lenny was written to be a man. And when she auditioned, she was like, Oh, this guy's supposed to be a man. Well, I think it should be a female character. Mm. It totally changed all of the writer's minds, the director, everybody and ran with it and you see how brilliant she is in that show uh to where i'm like you know what i because of that that's i mean on top of yeah you know she's got the looks and everything but like to be selena kyle and catwoman yeah hands down she's got the right personality for it too right a little quirky and odd but just really believable as a character yep that's what i like about her the most very much agree All right, well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Good hour, boys, as usual. We want to remind everyone to check us out on social media. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SensiblyLoud and on Facebook at SensiblyLoudMedia. We want to remind everyone also, we want to hear from you, so please leave us a voicemail. That number, 972-885-9361. You can leave us a voicemail. Let us know what show you want to talk about and what you want to talk about, and we'll make sure to get it played on the air and answer your questions and all that stuff. So, uh We will uh, be back for another edition next week, and we'll see you guys then.